This is episode number 233 of the Rise of Men podcast with Erica Vargas. What do women really want? What's up, Rising Man family? Jetty Azuma here again for another episode of the Rising Man podcast. Before I get into today's episode, we have turbo boosted our 12-week online Inferno program just in time to get the new year kicked off in a good way. And we're looking for the 20 most committed men out there, those of you who are ready to make a massive impact in the world, who want to change your life and have exactly what you've always dreamed of but haven't been able to get there. If that's you, head over to risingman.org slash inferno, click the register button so we can show you exactly how to do that this year. The first 20 signups can get up to $1,000 off just by using the code GAMETIME1000, so go ahead and claim one of those spots while they last. My guest for today is Miss Erica Vargas. She has been here on the podcast before, a long time ago, so if you don't know Erica yet, you get to meet her today. For as long as she can remember, Erica's had a vision of living in a world where the healthy masculine and divine feminine lives in peaceful harmony within each of us. Over eight years ago, she went on her own journey of self-love, self-discovery, and self-worth. During this period, Erica discovered her purpose on this earth is to support the reintegration of a healthy partnership between men and women. She does this through coaching. She helps people reveal and claim their heart's truest desire. Also, she's an advocate for the healthy men through her podcast, Stop Fucking Settling. In this episode, Erica and I started by debunking some long-standing sexual myths. She answered the question why women do crave sex, but in a different way than men. She said that guys get the high fives and girls get the whispers. What does that really mean? We talked about the keys for unlocking our sexuality and why they begin with looking back into our childhood first. We discussed the shame currency, how women unconsciously view themselves giving something away based on what they learned growing up. Why Erica believes it's time to start empowering the conversations of pleasure and accessing our pleasure in our society. We talked about how men can communicate the desire for a casual sexual relationship and create a healthy casual relationship in the dating world. And lastly, what we can all learn from the fetishes, the kinks, the S&M world, and all of the taboo sexual communities about honest and clear communication. Without further ado, Erica Vargas. All righty. Got a wonderful, beautiful sister, family, friend of mine coming back for a second turn of the wheel. Miss Erica Vargas in the house, coming in live from Austin, Texas. What's up? Hola, hola, hello. So excited to be on here again. I love this podcast. I love everything that the Rising Men represent. So, yay. Heck yeah. Well, I love having you here, sis. And when you reached out to me and said, hey, let's talk about this thing, because guys need to hear about this thing. I was like, oh, yeah, let's talk about that. And what that <laughs> thing is, is this mysterious place in the dating, getting to know people, relationship world that I think, honestly, men and women just have so much difficulty navigating, especially when it comes to sex and communication mm-hmm. around intimacy. So I'm excited to dive into it. You ready to drop in, get started? Yeah, I'm down to jump right in. Like, right. let's get let's get into it. <laughs> let's do it. All right. So yeah. let's start. My, my objective on this episode in particular is to be an advocate, a voice on behalf of all of the hundreds of men that I've spoken to and heard from about this topic. Because uh, as I was mentioning to you on this, before we started recording, you know, your best friend, my wife, I, we, mm-hmm. since I haven't dated anybody except my wife in mm-hmm. over 10 years now. And that was right before 
internet and online dating became a really, really, really big thing with the apps and the bumbles and the tumbles and all this stuff. So <laughs> I am so out of out of my league when it comes to understanding this. And I think there's a, a certain myths that need to be mm -hmm. debunked right off the bat. So yeah. I'm going to ask you some questions and I'm just going to ask from the curiosity of the men out there. Not, not no man in particular, yeah. but just the men that yeah. I've met over the years. So first one, do do women enjoy or desire sex as much as men do? Oh my God. I love this question. Such a great one. By the way, I'm also going to speak from a space of coaching women for 12 years um, and a space of also, I built a community of 1200 women in Austin when I first moved here. Well, it took five years to build that. And so I have uh, had a lot of conversations with women about these type of topics. First off, yes, we do crave the, we crave sex as much as men do. And we create, we crave it in a different way. Right. And oh, wow. part of that is because we are, is because the way that we are brought up looking at sex. And once again, I want to repeat, this is more of a generalization. If you're like, I can't relate to that, that's okay. Um, is that we've related to sex and what we got taught about sex during our formative years is very different than the way men are allowed to come at sex at formative years, right? So like if you think about um, TV shows from like the 80s and 90s, for example, or maybe even some of the 2000s, which has changed a lot as the generations have evolved, but it's like high-fiving, right? The guy gets the high-five and the girls get the whispers, right? Like, oh, like, you know, and so... I think that's where we get to start when we're having this conversation around, do we crave it? Yes. But I think we both have different reasons for the, um, for the, for our sexual appetites. Um, I was just talking to a tantric coach two days ago. Cause I was like, I'm going to be talking about this. I want to get, I want to talk to someone, get more in depth around it. And she brought up such a beautiful point. She was like, women actually can have, multiple orgasms they can go for a lot longer and it actually feeds our souls like if a woman has multiple orgasms in an evening like in a night the next day like it actually feeds her in a way um energetically in her feminine all of these things where actually for men like they you know yes they can have multiple orgasms it takes a moment there's things that happen and on top of that it actually as much as it'll feed them the next day because it does it actually can stop some of their like ambition and some of those things. And she was sharing that, that it's actually good for a man to hold that, to hold their release as long as possible. Mm. And because that's actually going to feed them more than having multiple, um, like having sex multiple times or having multiple orgasms in one night. And as she was sharing this, I was like, this completely makes sense to me because we're taught different things. And so guess what? No one's having the greatest sex of their life because of what we're taught at such formative years on different sides of the spectrum around sex, men and women. Yes. And I can jump more into that unless you have a question right now. Well, yeah, let's, so let, before we get yeah. too far ahead, cause you're, you got yeah. some great stuff coming in there. I, I love what you said there about guys get the high fives, girls get the whispers. I could even mm -hmm. see like the, not, I guess it's not on the Disney channel, hopefully, but like those, those teeny bopper <laughs> sitcoms where yeah. that's happening. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, of course that makes an impact. And so, acknowledging that we both male female mm -hmm. man woman have these same biological cravings just craving it in a different way 
How does that social narrative influence the way that adult women are still approaching their sexuality when it comes to dating? Ugh, this, I love, love, love this question. You, you, it, the answer is in the question, as, and I'm just going to go a little deeper, is that this social narrative starts so young, so young that I can remember at, you know, four years old, having like the first time I was told to like put on a full bathing suit when we all went out to like the lake or the beach. Right. Like I remember that like moment where my brother's 10, 11 and he's in like shorts and I'm like full bathing suit and I'm like four or five years old. And that's how early it starts by the way that we're as women were told already to start covering up our bodies to start just and, and start to bring in some of that, and it's not intentional to bring in shame, but that's what happens, right? Because there's a part of there's a part of a five year who's like, but I really love being naked, and now I'm told that that's wrong. So the shame is just internalized quickly, right? And then we and then we get into our more formative years around our peers, and then it continues. The shame continues. It's like, um, you know, when you get into, I would say around ten years old is when you start to like really know what arousal feels like and know that like you're not supposed to really share that with your parents or with other people, right? Like I can remember like kissing my first boy at 10 and we went behind, we hid, right? And we we kissed and then it was like, we didn't tell anyone. It was like our secret, right? Because there was this immediate internalization that the moment that I share that, there will be stories started about me. And I didn't know where it came from. I can't say it's because I saw it on TV. I can't say maybe it was from my parents. I just know that it started to happen very quickly. Is that like shame that starts to be internalized for a woman that is, oh, you aren't supposed to feel pleasure in this way and you feel pleasure in this way. And I hear this all the time, by the way, from women where at a young age when it felt okay to rub up against maybe even like their babysitter, right? Like maybe they had an older babysitter and they rubbed up against them and they were like, that felt good. And I've heard this from men too, where it's like, and then we're, we're as women, we're told like, ooh, that, that you're not supposed to, that's not supposed to feel good for you, right? Like that's not something you're supposed to enjoy. And it's told to us so young, cover up your bodies. And then on top of that, you don't want to make boys feel that way. Right. So then we're suddenly responsible for also not making boys our age for that way. So make sure we wear skirts to our knees and our we, we and once we get boobs, forget about it, like completely cover up. Like suddenly we're not only responsible for ourselves, not in that way, but also boys. Which is and interesting then that's because, like the shit. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was going to say it's it's well, interesting it because starts it's, to double up. Yeah, it does. It starts to double up. And it's it's obviously part of it is influenced around protection. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. I'm I'm a parent now, and I've uh, I've been around yeah. kids who other friends who have kids who are teenagers, and there's an element of well, I want to protect my child. I want to mm-hmm. make sure that they're safe. And I mean, we, we don't even need to begin talking about sexual assault and sexual abuse and how how mm-hmm. common that is in our society. So, I think a lot of these narratives were born out of a desire to protect, mm-hmm. and but but not by protecting and, and and acknowledging because even what you said about you're not supposed that's not supposed to feel good well the truth is, mm-hmm. is that it does it does feel mm-hmm. good let's acknowledge yeah. it hey you know what i get it that feels good yeah. it's good when you do that when i was your age that felt good to me too and and then having the conversation from there versus yeah. 
fundamentally what you're experiencing, what you're feeling, what you're desiring is wrong. That is a whole different yeah. for, especially for a small impressionable person. Well, yeah. And I think that, that that's, what's beautiful about the more evolved we've gotten. I know that there's parents, especially like you and Carrie, for example, have beautiful conversations with your children about this, which is, I, that make, brings joy and happiness to me because I'm like, we're, we're getting to that point, right? Because we're learning there's a lot more self-reflection in the world. There's way more many people getting transformational coaches, sexual coaches. Like I have, I have a client right now who is a full-on Catholic and she had a conversation with a, you know, a sexual coach because it was just something her nutritionist told her about. You know what I mean? Like it, it, the conversation is becoming more and more, um, I don't want to say mainstream, but acceptable to start having these conversations, which is beautiful. Yet women in their twenties and thirties now are barely getting to that point where we're being told it's okay to feel the pleasure of that. It's okay to feel that, that, that when you felt that way, like I've had that conversation, right. Where I've had with my inner child, it's okay that you felt that way. Right. Or that you were attracted to, you know, maybe my cousin, you know, like, which is such, but like, that was the only boy around me. And my body was like, there's a boy. And that's what you're supposed to do is feel attracted to, you know, or not supposed to like, that's, that's what I felt. Or if it's another woman, I'm just using generalizations here, but just that arousal that came in that shame is shame starts to layer onto us. And what that turns into, and I think this is the part why I really wanted to come on here, Daddy, and I might get a little emotional because it's so true for so many of us, is that shame, what we do with it as women, is we turn it into currency. This is my biggest shame. So the only way you get to have it is by giving something to me, right? And so what is it? I mean, if you go rule back in the days, it's like a wedding ring, right? Like you get to marry me, and that's the only way you actually get to have this thing I have, this sexual pleasure, which even then maybe you don't get the sexual pleasure, but you get to have sex with me, right? We turn it into this currency. And then that currency turns into, are we high-valued women? Are we low-valued women? So if you're giving away that currency easily, right, then you're turned into the whispers, you're low value, right? The whispers happen, there's a low value, right? And then if you're willing to hold back a little bit, which I'm going to be fully transparent. That was me in high school. I was a high value currency because I was not having sex with boys. So there was this currency and I can see it even with the boys of like, oh, she's untouched fruit. She, you know, and then the their conqueror, which we can also talk, get into, conqueror starts coming out in them. And I know, I knew at 17, I was a high value currency, right? We turned this sexual shame into currency. And what we never taught, we never taught at least my generation, definitely the generations before me, and maybe one or two after me, was that what, what do we teach now when people feel shame? To love it, to connect with it to find out what does that mean? Why why are you feeling that shame? And then, right? Because I do think that it starts to internalize. I just had a conversation with Carrie about your son, right? Like it does internalize, even if you're trying to teach your kids that like sex, we all feel these ways and all these things, there is an internalization that happens. But we didn't get to have those conversations as often as we're starting to now well, to tell a, a, a woman, hey, Tell me a little bit about why you're feeling like why you felt like you had to hide kissing your first boy instead of being excited and telling telling me about it. 
Well, that's the difference uh, is, yeah. is really the, our willingness and our, even just our capacity to have those conversations. Um, mm-hmm. To this day, my parents have never talked to me about sex. You know, for all I know, my parents had sex twice in their whole life to have <laughs> me and to have my younger brother, which I'm sure is not true, but um, yeah. you know, it's one of those, it's one of those generational things. So yeah. yes, we are having different conversations now. And I like where you went with what you were just sharing about shame and, and how, how we are educated to value ourselves because that's another mm-hmm. uh, i don't know if it's debunking a myth necessarily but one of the things that that young ladies hear is that men only want you for one thing boys only want mm-hmm. you for one thing mm-hmm. and again that's a fear tactic right to try and create mm-hmm. protection around our our daughters essentially yeah. and the, the the reality is is that there there's truth to that it's not it's mm-hmm. not a universal truth that of course yeah. men don't want women just for one thing but there's definitely one thing that we're really really yeah. interested in which is which is yeah. sex and intimacy and and ro- and and all of that especially on the physical side of things and so being able to just acknowledge that and say oh yeah guys when they're reaching out and they're connecting with you that's definitely yeah. on their list of things it might even be the number one thing but it's certainly not the only thing i think that's another thing that we yeah. need to talk about more openly and acknowledge that yeah. There's truth to it, but it's not the whole truth. Yes. It just, and I love that you brought that up because there's truth to it, right? Because in that moment, when, like like I said, when I was one of the only people who hadn't given up my V card in high school, I could see, right? Like it was very obvious how that made me very attractive to men because that was something that they are interested in or... It, there's truth to it because there's way too many women in the world who feel that way for there not to be any truth to it. We didn't all get together and make the story up, but you know how many women that when I'm working with them in sexual shame, the story that we have to debunk over and over is that the only thing I'm good for for men that men value for me is sex. Mm-hmm. Right. We like that's debunked constantly. But, but part of the reason why we're debunked from that is because it's a currency. And the currency was I gave my currency out at a young age. I gave my currency out often. It was taken from me, right? Like sexual assault. So suddenly this thing that I was told was the most valuable part about me, I gave out easily or somebody took it from me. And so now I don't believe that I there's anything sacred about my sexuality. And that's the thing is taking it from shame to sacredness. And we can even do this in the casual sex world, but, and this might be really new age and progressive for some people listening to this, but it is possible to bring, take your shame around sexuality, put it into sacredness and bring that into casual sex. It is possible, but so let, that has let me to interject, start. Let me interject there Go ahead. for a yeah. second because now you got me really interested. So what I'm hearing there is there's an opportunity for one of two things, right? Maybe we start to devalue having sex and giving away your V card, right? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. it is a significant thing. We don't want to just brush it off, but it's also, you know, yeah, it's not it's yeah. it's not as big of a deal as it's made out to yeah. be. Um, while also on on the other side of things, maybe it's around normalizing the conversation around just having sex and 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 the, and the value of having sex with with more people and and the and exploring it a little bit more because I'm thinking about you know I'm, my daughter's only three and a half, right? So we're not we're, yeah. we're not there yet, thankfully. <laughs> But yeah. <laughs> just imagining, okay, well, I don't want to undervalue her, mm-hmm. her body. I want her to protect herself and hold herself sacred. Of course, that's above everything else. But at the same time, 
I could see what you just revealed, the the cost or the consequence of overvaluing it and making it mm-hmm. something that is so, ooh, I got to really hold on to it that could also impact, impact her experience. Well, and I love that you brought that up because it's not, it can be both. Right. It's not an either or. It's a and. And the where the and comes in is teaching your children now that there is sexual shame keeps us protected. So you get to teach them that. Like you you do have to protect your body. You have to protect these things. These things are important. And when you're ready, there's so much pleasure. When you choose it, there's pleasure that comes with it. And that's the part that we miss out and that we missed out. Our generation is being taught that actually you also get to feel pleasure. I mean, and there's cultures that take the pleasure completely away from women, right? Like they don't even give them a chance to feel the pleasure because of how powerful a woman can become through her sexuality and her, her pleasure and the amounts of depth she's rather, she's willing to go into her pleasure and into her pain. And I also want to share that I'm not saying, oh yeah, like it, you know, we need to teach that you can, you should just sleep with them. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying either. No, I'm saying it's when we're choosing that this is my body and it's sacred. And I desire for my body to be able to feel and experience everything that's possible for me in this universe while I'm on this planet can be a choice of mine. Mm-hmm. And that and shame is part of it too. Shame is part of it. Shame, pain, fear, all of that's part of it. So is pe- pleasure, you know, orgasms, multiple orgasms, that's all part of it as well. And I, just to bring us full circle, it brings us back to the conversation around casual sex. One of the reasons why I feel like there's so many people right now who are, there's men and there's women too, I'm getting this from women as well, is, I don't, I wouldn't mind having a casual sex relationship. What isn't working in that is that we still have the same dynamics of shame in it, right? So shame, this, 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 this feeling of shame is still coming into the casual sex world, right? It's still being brought in because there hasn't been a conversation usually between two people. Cause it's like, I barely know you around like, how do we actually have a conversation so that we can remove what feels shameful and what and bring in what actually feels good for us in this. Yeah. And that's the thing that's missing. Yeah. Oh, I, I love that. And so let's, let's earmark that just for a second Yeah. because I want to come back okay. to the casual dating and casual mm-hmm. sexual relationships. Um, so I really like this idea of empowering the conversations around pleasure and accessing that. I feel like those are picking up the narratives that weren't serving anymore and mm-hmm. advancing them, modernizing them, being a little bit more real mm-hmm. with, hey, listen, these things feel good and it's okay. It's okay to feel good. Mm-hmm. And it's frustrating to me that you even had to say the disclaimer that you did that we're mm-hmm. not saying that everybody should go out and have a bunch of promiscuous sex, mm-hmm. et cetera, because some people will hear it and their own mm-hmm. fear and insecurity will drive them that way. Of course, we're not yeah. saying we're not encouraging people to be hedonistic. I'm not going to tell mm-hmm. my daughter to go and just sleep around with whoever she can. Right? Yeah, there's a nuance. It's a nuanced conversation, but it's one that gets to be a little bit more broad and open. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that it's going to be challenging for. I can even feel it within myself because of mm-hmm. how deeply rooted these stories are. 
these these shame yeah. stories, these protection narratives that we're trying to do good, but created mm-hmm. some really massive consequences, obviously. So yeah. just anticipating that it's it's going to take some work and it might, it might take a couple of generations to really shift this. But I'm encouraged just like you of how how quickly it does seem to be shifting, even in just looking at it from a decades perspective. We're so, so much oh, yeah. closer to this. The problem is that I think we're also up against a lot of the unhealthy sexualization in our culture that um, let's, let's just keep that on the shelf for a moment. Cause I don't want to yeah. get down a spiral. Oh, well, that could be a whole podcast too. <laughs> that's a whole nother one. It's, and that's, that's the thing. And maybe that, I think that's where the religious yeah. uh, popular religion just took sexuality and put it in a box. Cause I yeah. think they were aware that, well, if we open Pandora's box, we can't control it anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but that aside for just a moment, let's circle back to like you were saying the, the casual sex. So mm-hmm. I'm really interested in what it looks like to approach that conversation in a different way. Cause you said mm-hmm. that shame, these, these deep roots and seeds of shame around our sexuality still show up. And that's part of what makes it difficult to have these honest conversations that are necessary to have uh, a good casual sexual intimate relationship. Right. So let's just mm-hmm. paint the picture here. Um, let's use online dating, right? Let's use, let's use yeah. the apps, right? So swiped on somebody and yeah. let's say I'm a man who um, I definitely want a long-term partner at some point, but I'm not quite ready for that right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm just missing. I'm craving physical connection. I'm also exploring what type of people I'm interested in. So I'm, I'm much more prone to casual sex. And I'm like, mm-hmm. if we, if it can happen on the first date, awesome. Within a couple of dates, fine. But I'm not really like, I don't want to be dating somebody for months and months and months without being able to experience and explore some physical connection. So that's not what I'm going to lead with. But <laughs> what what is a well, way the, that a man can, you know, communicate that? Yeah. And, and it's interesting you bring this up because I think that the there's a, there's a few directions that men are going right now that I see on uh, because my most of my clients are like very serious daters and it's like, I'm looking for the one. And so they don't even swipe on, there's an option on the dating apps that says like casual. They won't even swipe on that, but I will because I'm curious to know what that means. Right? Like I'm the curiosity. And then I'm the one who's like, awesome. Hope you find that. I just want to see like, what's the thing out there. And the, the red flag, the thing that is like, if you're, if you're a man listening right now, and this is seriously the space you're in and you're like, um, do not say when someone asks you, what do you mean by casual? Well, you know, I just want to see where things are, where things will go. Maybe we hang out and then, you know, just see what happens organically. Mm-hmm. That is like the most unsafe feeling a woman who hasn't dealt with her sexual shame could ever hear. Right. So like if the woman says yes to that, there's, she's looking for validation. Right. So like I was saying earlier, when we turn, we change our shame to currency and then we turn that currency to validation. So if a woman hears that and then she's like, okay, let's just see what happens. She's also looking for some type of validation, right? She's looking for, because what I'm hearing there is like, I don't, I know exactly what I want, but I'm not going to tell you because I'm going to see if like, I can get you to be around me. Maybe I'll take my shirt off in front of you. You'll feel like I'm attractive. You'll like, it's just so sticky and not clean. And it, it doesn't feel great in, in a bot in, in a woman's body, especially because the majority of women haven't dealt with their sexuality. 
And so when they hear that, they're like, okay, he wants sex and that's what I'm good for. And at least I'll get some validation. Like there's, and like I said, generalization, this may not be every woman. How that can look so much cleaner is saying, hey, actually, this is what I need right now in my life. I'm looking for someone who X, Y, Z, who we can hang out, have a really good time and have a sexual relationship together. That's what I'm looking for. I know right now I'm not in long-term plays. And if that's something that doesn't work for you, I respect that. My whole body calms down because now I have, a, I have this choice, right? Like suddenly I have a choice. Do I want to jump in with this guy who's super attractive, really honest and clear and can communicate? Or do I want to be like, actually, that's not what I'm looking for either, mm. right? Because it's so clean to say, hey, I'm not just some perv on the internet looking for to try to trick you into seeing if you'll have sex with me. It's, Hey, I actually know that eventually I want a long-term relationship. That is something that would be great that ha if it happens organically. And, but right now I know that the most I can give is some hang time with, and I do definitely want some sexual activities with that hang time. And then the other part is what's your offer as the man to the table to that of like, what is the thing that like, why do you feel like, it's this is gonna be beneficial for the both of you because that would be the question I would ask next up. This sounds amazing. How like, but what if like? Because it's like a lot of times for a woman, it's not like okay, I'm gonna hang and have sex with you. Then, then it's what? currency, right? The shame right, right. is coming up. What's the currency for me then? Well, it's always and there, there. And I think there is a there is a definitely a degree of entitlement that, mm -hmm. that goes along with the horniness of the male species right there's like a, <laughs> uh okay i'm horny and there's some this seed's got to go somewhere and yeah. i think a lot of that sneaky circuitous language you're talking about comes from men not being able to just say i'm i'm really horny and i i'm, I'm looking for a sexual relationship that's something that would be really mm -hmm. fulfilling for me when it's spoken in a tone that suggests and i want that from you versus an invitation the way you shared if if, if guys could just go yeah. back and listen to what you said from the lens yeah. of this is something that i'm looking for in my life i'm looking for a relationship because yeah. when i say i'm looking for a relationship immediately it's like i'm describing a tree that's off in the distance and i'm, yeah. I'm describing it to you and seeing do you see that tree too is that a tree that you're interested in as well instead of you're the tree and this is what yeah. i want from you Right. It's, yeah. That's that's a different that's a different tone. It's very subtle, but yeah. The because what I hear from a lot of men is, well, can I be that honest? Can I just just declare what I'm what I'm interested in? And for me, I think the answer is yes. And it's important to think about how that's being communicated. It's not just what's being yeah. communicated, but if it's just here's what I'm looking for. Are you going to give it to me or not? Mm -hmm. Obviously, the undertone. Not hopefully not what guys are just saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also creating an experience knowing that, yes, we debunked the myth in the beginning. Women are interested in and are yeah. craving sex in the same way that men are, just in a different way. So we have to consider that as well, that yeah. there's got to be, it's it, it, even if it's a casual relationship, there's still a relationship that's happening. Yeah, so. yeah I mean, and, I, and, and just to speak from the women's perspective, there is going to, there is a lot of, of women who are, so the other part of this, the part of why it would, the part why 
I believe a one night stand or just a hookup, those are, those are possible. And I've seen people do them on the dating apps. And usually when that works is when the guy or the girl is that honest. So I, I know women who are out of like a breakup, for example, and they're just like, I cannot, but I also want to enjoy the pleasure of a man. And those work because that woman knows exactly what she needs and where she's at. And there's not shame around it. Cause it's like, I know what I want right now. I know this. And so when a man's that clear, it, it's so, it works out really well. I think the fear is that the woman's going to be like, well, no, I'm not interested. Right. But if she's not interested, right. If she's not interested in that tricking her into it, isn't cleaner. Cause then ghosting happens, trauma happens. And then we have a big, huge mess. That's my point is that sometimes it's a numbers game of finding the woman who's like, yeah, that's what I'm looking for. I'm not saying there's a ton of them out there. Now, I will say this. There probably are more women out there who would be interested in a casual relationship that is going to be longer than one night stand. Because that's the thing is that, um, which we can get a little bit into is sexual agreements, is that with sexual agreements, most women want to have sex with someone more than once. Like, I don't want to have to have to cure that need of mine with different men. Like we don't have, we want to do that. With, like if you're good at what you're, if you're good at sex and we're enjoying it. We want that to be the same person, even if it is casual sex and it's not leading to a long-term relationship. And that's the, that's the biggest like edge I hear from women is like, I would do that. But it's like, once you have sex with them once, it's like, that's it. They're gone. And I wouldn't mind having, there's so many women I hear say this all the time. I wouldn't mind having someone that we're doing this on a regular basis. Right. Like this is like, we're, we're both kind of itching the scratch together. That's not an uncommon need for a woman. But the thing that's happening is that it's happening once and then it's kind of giving them like a bad taste. And then they're like, I don't really want to be the girl that's sleeping with a lot of different men. So I'm just not going to do it at all. And I'm going to be celibate for now. The only option I have is (laughs) not to bring up Taylor Swift. (laughs) I can't help it. There's a line in one of her songs. It's like a woman's either seen as a one night stand or a wife. Like, and it's like, that's the feeling that we put that has put us in a box. It's like, why well, only either get, these are my choices, one night stand or marriage. Like, why can't there be an in-between that happens where it's like, we both have these sexual agreements that this is something we're, that we're going to scratch the itch together. Well, and I think on the, to, to balance the conversation out, I think there's yeah. also a belief that men have is that, well, she's either going to try to pull me into a long-term relationship because that's all she really wants, or she's going to reject me because there's another 10 guys lining up behind me. So I think it's, mm-hmm. it's important to balance the conversation also yeah. because that's men are so afraid of rejection, which I'm, I'm sure women are too, yeah. but men, especially, I think, I think the rejection game hits a lot harder with men and probably because a lot of this unhealthy shame dialogue we talked about where, yeah. um, yes, there's definitely been that narrative about men desiring women for something, but because of that, it's, the, the story has also been that, well, men chase women around. And if women mm-hmm. were just a little bit empowered, they could really have their pick of the litter. So that puts yeah. us men in a sea of other guys that were constantly like, well, am I, am I handsome enough? Am I strong enough? Am I in shape enough? If I don't make enough money, if I don't make more money, if I'm not in better shape than, if I'm not as clever mm-hmm. with my words or my energy as the next guy, then there's no way that's ever going to happen for me unless I'm willing <laughs> to lock into something that I don't, I'm not ready for. 
like a long term mm-hmm. relationship. So it's it's kind yeah. of interesting how these shame spirals have created these funky dynamics when really there's so much more that's possible. Yes, I love that you brought that up because, and a lot of times, women can't even fathom or believe that men might be insecure. Interesting. Like, it's very interesting where when I, I had, I actually had a client recently, she was an ex-client, reach out to me and she goes, and she was having a casual relationship. And then he ended it at text. And it was very hurtful to her. She's like, I did everything. We had the agreements. We had such adult conversations. We knew exactly where the other person stood. And then when he was ready to end things, he sent me a text message. And I was like, that has nothing to do with you, babe. I'm going to have to do with his own bo- embodiment. He hasn't embodied the body of being able to have that that conversation because somewhere he's internalized that he's rejecting you and he probably can't take rejection. And so he doesn't know how to have the conversation. It's not actually have anything to do with what something you did or, and for a woman to fathom like, wait, he could be insecure and he's just afraid to have the conversation with me. It's like, they can't even like fathom that. It's like, oh, I must've did something wrong. I said the wrong thing. He must've thought I was getting attached. Like, right. We start to internalize like, oh, we did something that made them think we want the relationship. We want the ring. (laughs) So then we, we like, we're like, and instead it's like, Oh, well, you know, whatever the reason was for the ending had something more to do with his own insecurities. And it's interesting. So another reason why I want to have this conversation is because I was dating someone for four years on and off. We would go from friends. Then we go to friends with benefits. Then we go to dating. Like we had this very, um, interesting relationship that I never felt dissatisfied with. I was never like, when's he going to ask me to be his girlfriend? When is this going to be a committed relationship? Where's marriage going to go? Yet the commentary I would get from my female friendships, sometimes even my guys, because it's societal is like, what, what's happening here? Like, what's, what's the, what's the plan? Right? Like right. everybody was like, felt really unsafe with the fact that both of us just enjoyed being with each other. It felt really unsafe for everyone around us. And I was like, well, at the very beginning, we had this conversation, exactly what I'm talking about right now, where he was very honest about, I can be with just you, but I can, ne- I, I don't see myself anytime soon being in a long-term relationship. I travel, I'm an entrepreneur, I do this and that. And I don't know if that's, if I'm ever going to be the marrying guy or the having children guy, but I I like being around you. I like making you happy. I like having sex with you. I like doing all the things. I like traveling with you. And I felt the same way. Mm. And my shame wanted to be like, oh, no, that's, that's not allowed. Right? My shame was like, I mean, I had many conversations with different girlfriends. And the biggest one I got, well, are you going to, are you going to, what? You're wasting your best years. That's literally told to me as a, from another woman. Well, you're wasting your best years. You're 33. Like, or no, I think it was 35. You're 35. Like you're getting older. What happens if you spend like a year or two with this guy and you never get married and you just wasted the best years when you're in your best shape and you're young still like, and I was like, Oh my God, I'm not allowed to feel pleasure. Like there is a currency to my pleasure. And the currency is commitment, marriage, children. That's the currency for my pleasure. I am not allowed. I'm getting emotional because I know there's a lot of women who feel this way. I am not allowed to feel pleasure until I have proven that I, I am valuable enough to be married to and to have children with. And that is what we're up against in these conversations, right? So the men are up against, well, if I bring up sex, and that's a really important factor of like, 
being casually hanging out with this woman, then I look like the guy who only wants sex and I'm a dick and I'm not, you know, like all the stories and I'm an a-hole and I'm avoidant and, or whatever else, you know, and the women are up against, well, if he only wants that, if something casual, I don't have value. Even if he wants to show me the time of my life, I still don't have value because he doesn't want to marry me. Right. These are the like real life things that happen. And what it took for me was to just make the decision that my pleasure was really important to me, no matter how old I was getting as a woman or how old my eggs were getting, or I had to make that decision that, and uh, he was really honest with me. Nothing about what he did was cruel or, or mean. It was like, Hey, this is, and we would have the best times. I would laugh. Cause I'd be like, when was the last time you and your boyfriend or husband spent four days traveling together and had the time of our lives and didn't argue once. Right. Like, when was the last time that happened for you and had great sex and went out and had amazing food? And when was the last time someone treated you in that way? Because I was willing to enjoy it. I was able to receive it from a man. And I do think that that's possible, but it takes a lot of communication and being really real with each other about what the other person wants. That's the biggest takeaway is if there's, any overarching remedy for these major relationship breakdowns and mishaps it's just cleaning up our communication being more mm-hmm. clear and, and having the courage to be honest now i know from the from the man's side of things there's there's this fear that okay if i'm if i'm willing to take the risk and be that level of honest what if it doesn't it, what if it's not being heard or received by somebody who's capable of having that conversation mm-hmm. and that's a major yeah. unknown and i think for that we we all get to be more courageous in those conversations because yeah. collectively that's how we're going to raise the standard. And you may get shut down from somebody. And if that's mm-hmm. the case, then there was no way that you were going to succeed in having a casual relationship with that person <laughs> anyway. So better to take the risk now and find out. And of course, that means facing off with the possibility of rejection. So I understand that. I just wanted to mention that because yeah. I know for a lot of yeah. guys, it's, well, if I'm going to take that risk and be that honest, what if what if they yeah. misunderstand it or what if they don't really, if they can't really hear where I'm coming from? Well, if that's the case, then they weren't that they knew, they answered your question right there. They're not available for that. I'm going to, and I do want to add though, if that is something you seriously desire, what I love about people, polyamorous relationships or the kink world or S and M world is that's the thing that they do in those worlds is they create such clear standards, boundaries, and communication with each other that we haven't learned in the heterosexual world of, um, I don't know what you want to call it, normalities, right? We haven't learned that, like, actually, maybe if we just had some conversations with each other, we would learn what the other person wants and needs and what we want and need and see if we make a good match, right? And so I think when you're sharing this like rejection part, I think there's also a part that has to be curious. Like, what do you, what do you want? What do you need? What would be the thing that would, if, if you are interested at all in having something a little bit more, I even hate the word casual. Cause I don't even think it's casual. It's present, right? It's like something that's a little more present that we're not speaking in future terms that we're not um, moving toward this one goal of a long-term relationship currently like what what do you want what do you need from me as a man to make you feel safe in this situation 
right? Because I think that that, that that's the, that's another part that's missing is the man is saying, oh, here's what I want. And then the woman's going like, okay, well, then you just want me to show up and like have my legs open? Like there has to be a conversation. Like, well, what about you? Like, is this something you've ever been interested in? How do you like to be treated when you're in a relationship in the dating phases and in, in, in the phases of we're getting to know each other, we're having sex, we're having a good time. We're not sure if this is going to end up happily ever after. Like, what do you need during those times? Cause a lot of times it's not as like confusing as it might be. I think the story goes, Oh, they need a committed relationship. And really what the woman needs is like to know she's going to see you again. Like it's as simple as like what I need is to know that this isn't just a one-time thing. I'm never going to see you again, that we're not going to have the best time of our lives tonight. And then I'm never going to hear from you again. And if that's the case, I need to know that before I get involved. If like, if this is really just a one night and there's, there's a guy they make fun of in Austin. I think uh, I can't remember his name. Cuddle Bay. They call him Cuddle Bay, but he basically is like well-known on Bumble because all he does is match with every girl on Bumble and he travels all over and other cities know him, by the way. He travels all over and he just says, Hey, you want to cuddle? Like that's his opening line on every dating app. And he's very clear. He's very clear on, Hey, I travel. I'm not looking. We don't, he even will say like, I don't even, if it doesn't lead to sex, it doesn't lead to sex. I think that's what he says, but I want to cuddle, right? Like he's very clear. He's known for it, because, but you want to know what? There's no woman out there. who's like, that guy's a dick. Every, I've, I've had these women like, Oh my God, it's so funny. I'm not interested, but clearly there are women who are interested, uh-huh. but he's so he's honest about it. Right. 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 No one's yeah. giving him a bad, he's not getting like a bad reputation. It's more like a, like, wow, someone who's actually honest about what they're looking for and who they are and what's going on in their lives. Well, and I think that's, I think there's also, as I'm exploring this with you, yeah. I think there's a little bit of this uh, reticence that men have of, well, if I do put that out there, I might get turned down more often. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that could also be the possibility is that, well, if, if at least if I'm being vague about my desires, I might be able to create you know, it's almost like it's funny that I thought of it this way, but it's almost like in sales, right? Some people who mm-hmm. are really direct and saying, hey, I'm calling you because I want to pitch you this thing. A lot more hangups, right? A lot more like yeah. just, but at least we got to that point. Whereas if somebody says, hey, can I have about 15 minutes of your time? I really just wanted to catch up with you and find out how you're doing it. It turns into the sales pitch. I feel, I feel disgusting. I'm like, oh, like that was annoying. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you just tell me what you wanted off the bat? And I would have told you, no, you wasted both of our time. And now I'm mm-hmm. seeing like, oh, that's how this feels on the other side of the spectrum. This is that's what that yeah. feels like when a guy's not just like, "Hey, listen," because there's a respectful way to say it, as you just laid mm-hmm. out for us. Yeah. Um, this is what this is what I'm interested in, and I'm not I'm not assuming that that's what you're interested in or expecting that from you, but I just want to be upfront and clear about that off the bat. It might lead to more rejections because maybe there's a bunch of women that you're matching with that don't actually want that, but at least mm-hmm. it's clear and. The one key thing I always I heard in everything you were saying is it always comes back to safety. Even when it's our yeah. our people around us who are mm-hmm. concerned about our safety, it's all about safety, safety, safety. So at the core root of this, how much of this this gray area and this lack of clearness, clarity when it comes to our sexuality is just because we haven't made sex and sexuality safe in our yeah. culture. Like if we want to look at the root yeah. cause, if we want to be really beat cancer. Let's make sex and sexuality more safe, safe to talk about, mm-hmm. safe to explore, safe to understand yeah. and be educated upon, safe to talk about, safe to 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 pursue mm-hmm. as something that we naturally biologically desire. It all comes back to that. Yeah, I had um, 
probably one of my first purely casual sex relationship in this last year, mostly because I went through a little bit of a heartbreak and some grief around losing my dogs. I was starting a business. There was no part of me that was like, I want a relationship. Like there wasn't even a little bit of that in, in me. And yet, like I said at the beginning, I also have a sexual appetite. I'm a woman. And I do honor those women who do choose to be celibate, by the way, who choose to wait for that their partner to have that sacred union. I don't want to discourage, this is not about discouraging those choices. I want to make that really, really clear. This was a choice I made because I was not because I don't find myself sacred, but because I knew that there was something about me that did need harnessing, right? Horny, if that's the word you want to use for whatever it was, it, it's something that does help me. Like I said, my tantric coach said, it helps women be more motivated and activated. And so when I met that person, he was like, he tried to play the whole like card, what you're talking about, like the whole like, let me be casual about this. We go on our first date. He's like, yeah, no, I'm looking for something. And then by second date, I was like, oh, you, oh, this is what you want. Okay. I see what's happening here. Let's talk about it. And he's like, seriously? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> and we had long conversations and I was very clear. I was like, if I'm going to do this. Then we can't hang out. We can't have dates. I don't want to get to know you. Like, that's not what I desire. If we're going to do this, then we have to have some agreements like some sexual agreements. What do you need before this? What do I need before it? What do I need during? What do you need during? Like what, how can we make this the experience that is like amazing for both of us if this is the experience we're walking into? And then what do we need after, right? Which is kind of funny because ironically, like he didn't say this at the beginning, but then like a few months in, he was like, I actually do need you to stay like all night. Like that was, and I was like, okay, he's like, to the morning. And I was like, okay. He's like, like you leave kind of quickly. And I kind of like the cuddling and staying to the morning. And I was like, cool. I'm, that works for me. But it was like this, this honesty. And he would even say that constantly. You're so honest. But we're also, because of that safety that I created, not him, because like I said, mo a lot of men don't have the body for this. I don't expect the men listening to your podcast right now to be like, that's going to be really easy. Like you, a lot of men don't, and a lot of women don't have the body for it because they haven't looked at their shame. They haven't looked at those conversations. They haven't been like, I actually really do enjoy my pleasure and it really does help my life in a lot of ways. And so when we, when that would happen, it allowed me to feel safer to explore other parts of my sexuality in that experience that I may not have on a one night stand wham, bam, thank you, man situation. So there is this other benefit of it for both parties when you're willing to be really, really honest with each other where you can, I mean, some of the things that like we shared together probably would have taken most couples a long time to get to, but because I was like, well, then let's talk about this. Like, let's talk about it. Like, if we're going to do this, let's talk about like, what does it look like? What do we need? all of the things so I can know if you're able to keep, make me feel safe and vice versa. That, that's, that work, that's work though, guys. Like this is like level 10. I'm not even asking you to get to level 10. Level one is like, just start to be honest. Yeah. Right. Like that's level one. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned that, you know, there's no expectations that this, this episode of this podcast, this conversation alone is all of a sudden going to, empower yeah. all of the men and all the women out there to have more con honest conversations about sex but but that we can start to make that more of the norm mm -hmm. we can start to move the needle in that direction and 
I just, as you were sharing there, I just thought of a good litmus test or a good checkpoint for people. If you've listened to this episode all the way through and you made it to this point, and at any point in the episode, we said something or we were talking about something that just, it gave you a feeling of like, oh, like that's, I can't believe they're, they're talking about that. Or, oh my God, I can't believe she said that. Or he said that. That's, mm-hmm. whoa, it's super edgy. Then that's an indication of the education you've had around your sexuality. Because all we're mm-hmm. talking about here is basic biological functions. I mean, when a dog goes and humps a tree or humps, you know, another dog, we're not like, oh my God, why is he doing that? Mm-hmm. We, we separate ourselves from our nature so easily. It's, it's yeah. happened for so long that that's all we know how to do. So again, not to diminish our sexuality or to take away from or to, to make it so that it doesn't ha- carry any value, but to take a bit of the edge off of that and recognize mm-hmm. for just by checking in with ourselves, where, where am I still holding a story around my sexuality and sexuality in general Yeah, that doesn't actually feed what I believe? Because mm-hmm. there's... Because even like in the 50s and the times when um, I, I guess maybe the 20s was another one of those eras yeah. where sexuality was just so frowned upon, right? People were were punished for exploring and speaking about sexuality. I'm sure it was even worse than just saying punishment. Um, there was underneath all of that was what was real. And what was real is that they yeah. had the same sexual inclinations and biological desires that all of us have. So being more honest about that and and ha- being able to have those conversations and attempting to have those conversations it's a practice too yeah when i was and i and i want to share because we started with what we want is different though is i want to share that you may have this conversation with a woman and what she needs to be someone who has a casual relationship can feel won't be the same as what you need as a man and I think that that's the part that gets confusing because it's like, well, she needs me to watch a movie and talk about our day, right? And have some type of connection. Then that feels like a relationship. It feels like we're going to fall in love. It feels like she's looking for something other than what I want. And that's only, and that's not necessarily the truth. Part of it is because as women, connection is part of the intimacy act, not saying that it's not for men. And so sometimes, there are things that we need to get to the place to feel safe. And I think that that sometimes gets misconstrued as like, well, if you need all of that, then this isn't casual. And I don't, and I think that that's the other thing is like, yeah. And it still can be casual. Like you can still be like, I don't know what you're doing on a Friday night and that's okay. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, but if we're going to hang out, then I do need to. So like for me, something I do need, even though the after for me, doesn't need to be cuddling. I'm, even when I'm in a relationship, I'm not a big cuddler. It's just not, it's not my like, I'm, I run hot, you guys. I'm a generator, so I run real hot. So I am just end up very sweaty if I cuddle too much. Um, it's why your wife loves being in a bed with me because she runs cold. So she's like, Same. you and Jenny are such are so warm. I just stay so warm. <laughs> and so, but before I do what I do need, and even with, you know, the, the person who I had a casual relationship with that was really clear. I'm like, we need to do something though. Like I can't just come over and we're ripping our clothes off. Like that's never going to get me in the mood. And I was like, like we have to. And so we would tend to watch, like we both loved nineties movies, like everything from like alien movies to horror movies to breakfast club. So that's what we would do. We, Oh, I mean, it didn't, we didn't stay to watch the, the whole movie, but it was something that we would talk about. The music would be good. We would talk about the music it was, I still needed something 
to get to the place where now I feel safe. No matter how many, and I think that that's, we have to be okay with somebody might need something that feels like, oh, is that, is that a relationship though? Um, or, you know what I mean? Like it could feel that way, but as a woman, we might need something different than you need to get to that place. Yes. And it doesn't necessarily mean we're, it's because we're trying to trap you into being our husbands. <laughs> no, it's great. And I think that's, if there's one thing we accomplished today, I think we really exposed a lot of the underpinnings of the behaviors that we see happening over and over and over again for you with a lot of the women in your community and for myself with a lot of the men and just putting myself back into their shoes and just realizing where a lot of this is all stemming from. And if there's one big takeaway, I could see that the the, the cure for all of this, well, maybe not the cure, that's a strong word, but one yeah. way to put our attention on something that, that moves this in the direction we're talking about is safety, right? We're mm -hmm. having conversations about safety. And if there's anybody out there who doesn't really care about someone else's safety, then you really don't, you really don't have any business being in that type of, of relationship with somebody. Yeah. Because you know, sex yeah. is intimate. And if there's not safety there for both people involved or all parties involved, then it really yeah. shouldn't be happening to begin with. So Agree. I think that's also a really good checkpoint. I think that goes back to some of that entitlement to sex that, mm -hmm. that we've come to expect, which is also a symptom of this, this sexual narrative. So a lot of really great insights. Uh, obviously you and I aren't, coming to any natural or distinct mm -mm. conclusions about things. But really, I think it's just a matter of advancing the conversation and really helping yeah. people to just have the conversation, have the courage yeah. to be more clear in your communication and yeah. see what that produces because you might be surprised. Yeah. And um, I think that I think not not settling for something that doesn't feel good for you on, on either side yeah. of the dynamic. I think that's the key word, right, is not that for me that's the key always is to not settle so if it ever not feels good for me in any situation then i'm then that's like something i get to reflect on on why it doesn't feel good for me right is it because i feel like i'm not being valued in that situation is it because i'm feeling rejected is it feel like i because it feels like i'm not valuing or respecting the other person like that's that's kind of my thing is like is what's your perspective are you settling with the yucky feeling of whatever that looks like on the men or woman's side? If, are you settling for the shame to be the one in the driver's seat on either side? The shame might be like, oh, I just want a casual relationship. And that's not real. That doesn't really, you know, that's not really accepted in society on either side because you want to feel some pleasure while you're figuring out who the person you're going to marry is or spend your life with, or maybe you're figuring out how to start a business or build a business or like we're so multidimensional as humans. And that's, if you can really listen to this from the, from that perspective of we're all multidimensional. No, every woman you are honest about sex up is going to be like, Oh yeah, it sounds like a great idea because there are a lot of women out there that are looking for a long-term relationship. The disconnect that's happening though, is that you are talking to those women, not being honest with them. And then they are feeling very, um, what's the word? Like they are feeling very distrusting of the masculine and the men in their lives because no one was, because someone was trying to trick them into being in a casual relationship or a situationship. And a lot of women don't have the body to be super clear, which by the way, if there are women listening to this, this is what I do with my clients is I help them get into the body of being able to be really honest about what you want, what you need, 
whether it's in a relationship relationship, a sexual relationship, it does not matter. But that's where it comes to is like getting your standards clear. No settling. I love that. I love that. Well, uh, Erica, as always, I I always love and appreciate what you have to share. (laughs) Um, I, I didn't mention it on this episode, but you've been best friends with Carrie, my wife, since you guys were teenagers. And you've been our relationship coach pretty much from the day one. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it's really, uh, really beautiful to hear what you have to share. I love this conversation. Why don't you just for everyone out there who doesn't know you yet, where can people go check you out, get more information on what you're up to? Thanks, Jenny. Yeah. Um, the easiest place to find me is Instagram at Eric O Vargas. I think current workings for a website, redoing my website. So don't look for me yet. I do have a website, but it's going to say like under construction right now. Um, so you can find me on Instagram. If you're not on Instagram, you can also find me on TikTok at Erica Vargas 1111. Those are the two easiest ways to find me. If you're not on social media, message Jetty. He has my personal phone number. <laughs> you can always connect with me that way as well. I ain't, ain't going to give love... it out to no creepers though. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Jetty will be my then... filter. I trust Jetty. He's going to keep me safe. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> That's why I said reach out to Jetty. <laughs> be like, mm, what are your intentions? Um, those are the easiest ways to find me. I mostly work with women um, in supporting women on rebuilding the relationship with themselves so that they can activate healthy relationships with the people around them. Yes, sometimes that's in romantic ways, um, but it tends to just be really all of their relationships. And um, the relationship with ourselves is when someone asks you, what do you need or what do you want? You're actually able to answer that authentically, like from the depths of your heart. And so that's what I support women on. I love doing it, but I also love having conversations with men. You know that, Daddy. It's one of my favorite things to do. I love picking their brains. Um, I love supporting them. So if you are a man who has more conversations about women, please feel free to reach out to me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, make sure you guys go and follow Erica. And I, I get women all the time that are asking me, how can I get my husband to do the work? How can I get my partner, my boyfriend to do the work? This is one of those moments where if you're a man listening to this, you can say, hey, honey, check out this episode. Check this out. Go, go call Erica. <laughs> go work with Erica. Um, let's flip the script on that one too. Cause I feel like it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, you know what I, what I love about that is that that's exactly what I do. Jenny. Every time I get a, a woman who does have a partner and is like, I just wish he did the work. I was like, tell him, just have him, ask him. He'll just listen to the rising man podcast. Like mm-hmm. just see, if he'll, just get him started there. Jenny Azuma <laughs> is like the most amazing man. Let's just get him started there because he'll either listen or not listen, but it's just like, like take us, take a baby step before you leap sometimes when it comes to the transformational work. Thank you for having me. I'm really always so honored to be on this podcast. Um, I will say that what I love, I know I've only been on it once before, but your listeners are so engaging and they do reach out. And I just really appreciate that about what you've cultivated. So thank you for doing the work you do. Oh, well, thank you, Erica. I really appreciate that. Fully receive it and honored to have you here. And I look forward to another one further down the road. Yeah. All right. Love you, babe.
All right, y'all, if y'all ready to kick off your new year in a big, big way, make sure you go over to risingman.org slash inferno. Claim one of those last 20 spots we have for our program that's launching February 15th. You can use the discount code GAMETIME1000 to get up to $1,000 off, but it's a limited supply and it's only going to last for a little while. So make sure you jump in there, claim your spot, and join us for this power-packed cohort. And please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to us, youtube.com slash the rising man movement. Catch us on the YouTube channel. And please keep showing that love and support every way you do for the rising men. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.